number 256 256 
Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalena and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was, the crucified, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held, held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. 
When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept, while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So I read through this account and and the others this morning. One thing that jumped out at me that I don't think I've ever noticed before was doubt. Um, there was just, as you read through the accounts, there's fear, unbelief, terror, troubled in heart, marveling in unbelief, and, and others. Um, and this is among the followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about the guards and the unbelievers. And this, this message is really precious to me this morning because of my own experience. Um, I, it just really helps me because I have struggled with doubt for many years because of my past. Um, one time I even considered myself to be an atheist and talked myself into being one, I guess. But praise the Lord, that was lifted. One of the con- consequences of that former life, though, is I still continue to struggle with doubt at times. And it's just inspiring to me to see others deal with it as well. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that deals with it. But thanks to the resurrection and the message this morning, doubt doesn't have to be a condition with me anymore. It's just a fleeting concern now and then. Today I recognize it for what it is and just move on. I, I can see it when it comes in and I can say, you know, I can sometimes literally say, get behind me, Satan. You know, I don't have to deal with that on a daily basis anymore. But um, Branton this morning kind of touched on 2 Corinthians 5 there with what changes. We become a new creation or new creature, new creature in Christ and the fear of doubt, the fear of doubt and the fear of death and all that just gets turned upside down. We're, we're just literally unshackled now, and we've been given the spirit, which is not the spirit of fear anymore or doubt. The bondage has been lifted, and, and we know what to do with it now. We have the power to defeat it. So I want to say hallelujah. What a Savior we have. So I'm going to open it up right now for prayer requests, and then I've asked Brother Rod to... Um, Pray for us. So, is there any prayer requests? Okay, well, there was an email that I read this morning, and I don't know anything about the details or who it was talking about, but it just asked for specific prayer for a specific marriage that's struggling. So, I'm just going to ask that we all lift that, whoever that couple is, up in prayer. Um, there's nobody else? Phil. Yes, yes. Um, Cephas is down in Haiti right now, and it's obviously a very fragile, dangerous situation. Just pray for his safety. I'd like to ask for prayer for Caitlin Sobrin. That's Kevin and Laura. Laura, she's in the hospital struggling with health issues. Pretty having a hard time. Okay, Caitlin Filburn um, is having some health issues and is in the hospital, so remember her. Remember her.
Okay, Rod, why don't we all just stand?
many things that just cause all kinds of violence and anger and Lord Jesus, by your power and by your spirit, we can overcome those things and be safe, be safe in fellowship with you. That's what we desire, Lord. We want to we want to uh, be back in fellowship with you. That's how we were created. That's why we were created. We don't belong in this world. We, we want to be with you. Lord, bless your word as it's brought forth. I pray that you would give your word voice to the, the speaker today and Holy Spirit dwell in our hearts. We believe it. We embrace it. We embody it. In Jesus' name. You would open your uh, hymn books to number 269. It's a short song. We're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, it's simple if you're on the edges. If you're in the middle, you're going to have to pick sides. So what we're going to do is sing to each other. It's short. We'll sing it through three times. So we'll start with this half, and you guys will remain silent. And then we'll sing it, and these will remain silent. And then we'll finish it together. And what I would encourage you to do is listen to someone else singing to you. We don't do that very often, so we're going to do it this morning. Then Yeah. 
He is risen. Hallelujah. Are you, are your, your heart really enthused this morning about that? I want to hear you say it. Hallelujah. He is risen. Last week we were encouraged to walk with Jesus this week into Jerusalem several times. And as we have done that, you have seen the ravages of a fallen world. And we were already given a message about that this morning. You've seen the depravity of mankind. And I would say that everyone in this house has felt that. The Bible says that every one of us have sinned. We've all come short before the glory of God. So firsthand, we know what that's like. But this morning in history is a different time. Hallelujah, he has risen. Welcome this morning to worship. It's so good to see all of you here. Some of you we may not know nearly as well as others, but we're all here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ together. The resurrection is one of the most blessed proclamations that believers can share with each other and the world. It is one of the most glorious themes of the Bible. And it is for all time and all eternity. And it will go out. It's a message that cannot be stopped. You know, I think about Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he said it was impossible for the grave to hold Jesus Christ. God has raised him up. Behold, the bright morning appears. And Jesus comes forth from the grave. His rising removes all our fears and proves him almighty to save. This morning the text and the title are the same few words and they're mentioned over and over again in the Bible. They've been held before us already this morning. Those words are hallelujah, he is risen. Hallelujah, he is risen. You know, the first century church met on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection and to worship Jesus Christ, and it's the same way today in the day that we live. We meet the first day of the week, starting out our week every week with the glorious news to worship Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. This message is all through the four Gospels. He is risen. It's proclaimed in the Acts of the Apostles. The Epistles are full of the resurrection message. It's in Revelations, and it's throughout the Old Testament. We've had the book of Hebrews cited to us this morning, and I thought about that book. You go to the 11th chapter, there are a whole group of Old Testament patriarchs that believed and endorsed and embraced the power of the resurrection. It was the message of angels in scripture. And even without the Bible, 
The message of the resurrection is real. I visited with a brother this morning about going out in the morning before it gets daylight. And if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do that. About the time the dawn's just starting to break, you'll hear the birds sing out there. You can hear the resurrection. You didn't hear it in the middle of the night, you heard it in the morning. Go out and look at the, uh, well, we've been working clear down south and for probably three weeks, the buds on the trees have been out. You can see the resurrection. I don't smell too good since I've had COVID, but I can still smell hyacinths. They're blooming. You can smell the resurrection. Run your fingers through the mellow soil in the spring. You'll be able to feel the resurrection. Shirley and I don't have any grandparents anymore, but when we were married, we had several. And it's probably been 35, 40 years ago now, but about every time this time of year, when it rolled around to springtime, Grandpa and Grandma Levy would have us over for supper. And he had went out and he had harvested a big bowl of dandelion greens, and then Grandma would fix up some kind of a, of a dressing. I remember it had bacon in it at least. And I can still taste that 40 years later. Taste the power of the resurrection. Paul was before Agrippa, and he said, you know, Agrippa, about all of the questions and customs of the Jews. And he began to share with him the messianic prophecies. And he went on into the suffering of Jesus. And then he said, why would you think that the resurrection is such an incredible thing to believe? He said, you know all about your knowledge and all these customs of the Jews. He said, this thing wasn't done in a corner. It was done for all the world to see. I'd like to just uh, use a real elementary, simple example of this, and I've used it before, but I want to do it again this morning. We're going to take a class of 30 first graders. About this time of year, their teacher gave them an empty box and said, I want you to go home, and tomorrow, bring that box full of things that represent the resurrection. The boxes came back, they had buds in them, they had flowers in them, they had fresh greens in them, a number of things. And as they would bring them up and the teacher would open them up and explain them what they were. And there was a box came up there and she opened it up and the little boy that brought it up there was a bit slow in his learning ability. She opened up that box and there wasn't a thing in it. And she moved it over to the side and reached for the next box. And the little boy stood up and he says, wait a minute, ma'am. He said, aren't you going to talk about my box? When she said, well, there's nothing in it. He said, that's the whole point. He said, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. He's risen and there's nothing in it. Hallelujah. 
Don't you wish we could be a little more like children? You know, I just have wished so many times that not almost, but altogether, I would be persuaded of the values spiritually that Jesus wants me to own. Oh, for the heart of a child. Well, we'd like to talk about resurrection joy, resurrection hope, resurrection power, and resurrection peace this morning. But before we go there, I think there is a message that is essential to the resurrection. We're going to go to one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job said, he explained the bereavity of men, of a man's life, and in that account he said, now if you'd cut down a tree, he said there's hope for that tree to come back to life. And you know, I was just, uh, just a couple days ago, I was around a tree that had been cut down, and within a probably a three-foot radius around that tree, there were at least 75 shoots coming out of the ground. And he said that's the way it's going to happen for a tree. He said over time it'll get water and it'll sprout and come forth. But he said, what about man? He dies and then what happens to him? He asked the question, he said, if a man die, will he live again? And this is the point we want out of this. There must be a death before there can be a resurrection. There has to be a death before there can be a resurrection. I think about Jesus as we walked with him this last week. He used a lot of moments as teaching moments through that week. And I think of the time when he was with Andrew and Philip. He said, my hour has come. The Son of Man must be glorified. And then he went on and he said, unless you take this grain of wheat, drop it into the ground, and it dies, it won't live. It can't bring forth life. It's got to die first. And then he said, if a man will die to himself and die to the world, for my sake and the gospels, he'll receive eternal life. Paul wrote to us as a church in one of his letters, and he says, if you're risen with Christ, then your affection will be set on the heavenly realm. And the desires and the appetites and the actions of the flesh must die. We are called to die so that we can live. Four, if you are dead, you're hid, your life is hid with Christ in God. There must be a death before a resurrection. Brother Branton took us to the book of Corinthians, first book, 15th chapter this morning. And that gives us the historical account that Paul gave that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith of Christianity. He simply started out that chapter and he said uh, Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. 
and he was seen of 500 brethren, and then he was seen of me, one born out of due time. If Christ had stopped at the cross, his work would have been incomplete. This is Paul in this chapter. Our faith would have been in vain, our preaching would have been in vain, and we would have still been in our sins. It is true, the way of the cross is the way of salvation, but the cross never stops at the cross, and the way of the tomb leads to the victorious grace and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, he is risen. We're saved by his life this morning. We are justified by his death, but we are saved by his life. Well, let's think about resurrection joy. I guess before we do that first to get this real, real in our hearts and minds, I want to go back to the evening that Jesus died on the cross. You will remember there were a couple of men on the Sanhedrin council that believed in Jesus, and they did not consent to his death. One of them's name was Joseph, and that man was from the city of Arimathea, and another man was named Nicodemus. Well, you know, Joseph went and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, and Joseph and Nicodemus and several of the women that surrounded Jesus' life took him down from the cross they used about 100 pounds of alloys and ointment and linen and wrapped him up and placed him in that new tomb that Joseph had. That He'd probably had it for himself, but it was a new tomb and never been used before. And then the Sabbath day was observed, and now this morning, these women were coming back to the tomb, and the Bible says that they had sweet spices, ointment, perfume, and they were going to anoint the body of Jesus. What do you think they thought? You know, I suppose that they wondered how they would be able to approach a band of soldiers. I suppose they wondered how they would be able to even get into the tomb with such a large rock sealing it. But, you know, everything they thought maybe they might encounter was just like what Brother Brandon said this morning. Branton, it was all upside down. They experienced what they had never dreamed they would experience. The tomb was open. You know that angel that was there? The Bible says in this account, that our brother read to us, that there was a great earthquake, and there was an angel came, and he was dressed in white, as white as snow, his countenance was glistening like lightning, and those keepers, those soldiers, were so afraid of him that they trembled all over, and they kept a trembling, I guess, till they couldn't even breathe anymore, and they passed out, and they were like dead men there. And, uh, this angel told these women, said, well, I, I understand why you're here. You've come 
to uh, Jesus that was crucified, but he's not here anymore. Let's just, uh, let's pick this up in about the sixth verse of this chapter. He is not here, for he is risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And I want to stop there for a minute. Do you know why that stone was rolled away? It wasn't so Jesus could get out. He could have got out of there with a dozen stones in front of that tomb. That was rolled away so I could see in there and see that my faith is real this morning. I don't need to have doubts. I can see in there and Jesus is not there. He's risen. He's alive forevermore. My faith is real this morning. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him as I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, the joy of the resurrection. And they did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet, and worshipped him. All hail, in English today, is oh joy. Oh joy! And that came from Jesus himself, the joy of the resurrection. The joyous resurrection message is one of the glorious miracles of the Christian faith. The resurrection is proof that Christ's sacrifice atoned for my sin, that he met the complete and acceptable atonement that his Father was looking for. He was totally approved by Father God. It proves that he overcame death. It proves that he conquered and destroyed him that had the power over death. That is the devil. He defeated Satan. We heard about that this morning. He crushed him. Jesus himself is the resurrection, the dispenser of eternal life. And all who believe in him will never die spiritually all of those who will live in them and he in them. Am I rejoicing in the joy of the resurrection this morning? He is risen. Resurrection joy is the church's witness to the world. And you know, if I'm in a group of believers and I go around complaining and murmuring and have a sad and negative countenance, I can't, can't witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ with joy to the world. Jesus said, I want to give you an abundant life. An abundant life is a deep and joyous life of living. An abundant life is a constant access to God, prayer, praise, and petition. 
An abundant life is a knowledge of full pardon. An abundant life is possession of the Holy Spirit within. And you could add and add and add to that. Well, let's go to resurrection hope. We're going to go to Mark's account for this. Let's turn to the last chapter of Mark's gospel. A lot of this is uh, somewhat repetition, but there's a few things that we want to get out of each of these chapters if we can. Um, Maybe we'll just break in this fifth verse here, chapter 16 of Mark. Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were afraid. And he said to them, Be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Here's the message again, and you'll find this in the sixth verse in three of these gospels in the last chapter that they record. He's risen, he's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him as he said unto you. You know, uh, I think as we go back before they entered into the message of the angel, you will find that all of these people were just as human as any of us. And they all had anxiety, they had fears, they had disappointments, they had discouragements. But this verse in 7 The angel says, you make sure that you tell the disciples. And then he adds in there and he says, and Peter. Why do you suppose he said that? You know, I uh, can identify, I think, some with Peter sometimes in life. Sometimes some of the things that we do in our unguarded moments bring pretty, pretty deep bitterness in our heart. The guilt is pretty sharp, and uh, the angel knew that Peter had denied Jesus, and so he said, you make sure and tell Peter that I've risen again. This, to me, is just an illustration of the brokenness of humanity, and then the solution to that. He rose. He conquered it. We've heard that this morning. Well, I think we can see that uh, Peter got that message. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the first book of Peter, we'll just read just a few verses here together. Peter got the, the message of resurrection hope. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, or kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. A lively hope. 
And that's more than just a living hope. I've seen some things living that aren't very lively. This is a lively hope. Resurrection hope. You know, I think one of Satan's greatest tools is to reduce hope to wishing. Probably been 30, 35 years ago, we worked with a young woman. She painted the interiors of houses that we installed woodwork in. We hadn't known her but a couple of months and she developed the dreaded disease, cancer. And uh, it advanced very rapidly. She didn't work more than a week or two after she found that out. Shirley and I went to the hospital to see her. She was a rather small, thin woman, but when we went to see her in the hospital, she didn't have any hair because of radiation and her body was puffy all over. We visited with her a little and we said, uh, how's your family? She had two little girls. I suppose one of them might have been, I'm just guessing here, but maybe six years old and maybe the other about eight. And she said, well, she said, I have not allowed my daughters to come to the hospital to see me because she said, I do not want them to see me in the condition that I'm in right now. I don't want them to see me like this. And it went on a couple of weeks and Sue passed away. Shirley and I went to the funeral home. And Tom, her husband, was there. And the girls were over in another room. And he said, we're not allowing the girls to see their mother. We do not want them to see her like she is. And you know, I suppose those girls wished they could have seen their mother again. But I'm going to tell you that they were robbed of hope. And you know how I know that? Because I've been there too. And when I was six, and my mother was out there, that was nothing more than a hope chest to me. The hope of the resurrection. You know, I've prayed for those girls. I've wondered time and again how they've ever had closure on their mother's passing. Don't rob anyone of the hope of the resurrection. It's powerful. I'm going to go back to Job again. 
He said, oh, that my words were printed. They were written in a book. I wished I had an iron pen and I could grave them on the slab of the marble mountain and lead. I know my Redeemer liveth. And he's going to stand at the latter day on the earth and long after my flesh has been decayed and destroyed, I'm going to see my Redeemer. I'm going to see God. You know, his words were on a much more permanent page than any granite mountain. They're in the Bible for eternity. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Every promise in that book will be delivered 100%. Resurrection hope. Are you discouraged with doubt this morning or do you have a complete assurance in resurrection hope? I'd like to encourage you this morning. Jesus said, because I live, you'll live also. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you really believe that? Is that your hope this morning? I want you to turn again to John's epistles. I want you to turn to the first book of John, chapter 5, last chapter in his first epistle. I want to read, start reading here in the 11th verse. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Now I want you to pay attention to the next verse, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you believe the Bible this morning? Do you know that you have eternal life? If you believe the Bible and you believe on Jesus, you've got eternal life. That's what we just read. That's what the Bible says. He is risen. Resurrection hope. Resurrection joy and resurrection hope is a church's witness to the world. Think about the power of resurrection just in creation. When Shirley and I built a house where we're, where we're at now, we had the excavator come in there. It's probably been 10 or 11 years ago. He took off a section of the top soil and put in a driveway, and he put in there number two stone. That's probably more or less the size of a, of a man's fist. Put in a layer of that and packed it down. Put in a layer of stone on top of that and packed it down. And you know what? Still have to use vegetation control. The power of the resurrection. Let's think about the power of the resurrection 
in uh, spiritual redemption. First, maybe before we do that, we ought to go back to the power of the literal resurrection. And uh, let's just pick that up in a chapter or so before our reading was this morning there in uh, Matthew. Matthew 27. I'm going to start reading the 50th verse here. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, the rocks rent. And this is the verse I wanted now. The graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept, arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now that is a literal example of the power of the resurrection. We're talking about the power of the resurrection this morning being open before men to see. And you know, I think of Paul when he wrote, he said that, if the princes of this world had known the mystery of God and the power of the resurrection, they wouldn't even have crucified Jesus. The power of the resurrection. Uh, the example that, that Branton gave us this morning of the two to Emmaus, and he talked about when they ate with Jesus, and then he was revealed to him. And you know what, what they said then? He said, didn't our hearts within us burn while he spoke with us on the way? And that power of the resurrection within the heart will ignite that heart to share the gospel message. You know, those two did not wait till morning. They went that very same hour back to Jerusalem to share the message of the resurrection power with the disciples. Paul, when he was in, on trial before Felix, he said there's going to be a resurrection both of the just and the unjust. And Jan Daniel prophesied about the same thing. He said, many that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And Jesus said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good to resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Why is the resurrection message so, so vital in its power? Why is it so urgent? Because souls are in the balance, that's why. Resurrection power. I really, really appreciated what Branton told us this morning. The same power, the same resurrection power that Jesus came forth from the grave with is the same power that lives right in your heart and soul this morning. It's the same power that gives the believer the opportunity to overcome. It's the same power that gives the believer the ability to love. It's the same power that gives the believer the ability to forgive and to live 
and victory and to be like Jesus. Resurrection power. Well, let's uh, think just for a minute or two here about resurrection peace. You will remember in Luke's account, there was a the time right after the resurrection when Jesus appeared before his disciples. And his account says that they were terrified, they were frightened, their life had been shattered, and they thought they had seen a spirit. Now let's turn to John's account in the 20th chapter. And we're just going to read just a few verses here in this 20th chapter, starting at verse 19. We're thinking about resurrection peace. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when they... And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so I send you. Paul said, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And this verse we just read says that we are to be the instruments of peace. As the Father sent Jesus, he's sending us to be the instruments of his peace. Now let's read on. Let's go to verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails and in my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were thin and Thomas was with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and he said, peace be unto you. And then he said to Thomas, reach thither your finger, behold my hands and reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing, and Thomas said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen, you've believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and have yet believed. You know, the apostles that experienced this just... A little while back had been so fearful. Now they were great preachers and teachers of the resurrection and its power. The Acts records words like this. And with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was on, was on them all. How, how do you suppose it was that their faith was so strong now when just a few days before they had forsaken him and fled? 
Men who had fled when Christ was crucified were now willing to face their own death without fear, even in peace. You know, I think of uh, early church, read history. Many first-generation Christians sang as they were tortured and killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection was real to them, and death was just a stepping stone for them into a better place, into the presence of their Lord. The apostles had, and all the followers of Jesus, had been eyewitnesses of his bodily resurrection. But that wasn't what really gave them the power to do what they were doing. The power that gave them the witness of the resurrection is the same power, again, that lives within us, and that is the Comforter, the Holy Spirit within them, gave them that power. Twelve ordinary men, mostly uneducated, were the men that Jesus chose for his apostles. And without a strong faith in resurrection, hope, peace, and power, and joy, in time of confusion, men will panic and be filled with fear. So how strong is my faith this morning? Where is my hope? I have mentioned this before, but I'm going to again this morning. We are fast approaching and actually are in times when the elements of the Antichrist are being made manifest. Will my faith endure the fires of persecution? I will need a faith similar to that of the first generation Christians who actually saw Jesus. And if I'm called upon to renounce my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior or suffer for it, I must live in the faith that was once delivered unto the saints to be victorious. How can that happen? How can I do that? You know, I really can't. Paul says it this way. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And his mercy was so great and his love was so lavish toward us that even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ and saved us by his grace and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Experiential knowledge. This is practical living. Living the power of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, the joy of the resurrection, and the peace of the resurrection as a witness to the world. For a benediction this morning, I want to go to Revelation 
I think about John when he experienced the revelation beholding the glorified Christ. And Jesus told him, he said words like this, he said, fear not. He said, I'm the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah, he is risen. To all of you here today, I just want to encourage you as you live life that you might experience the gifts of God's love and sacrifice, that your heart, your soul, and your life will be filled with joy and gratitude, and that you will be blessed as you celebrate his holiness and his resurrection. May God bless you today. I think we'll just all stand and we'll have a closing prayer. Father God, we just come to you today. Our hearts are overflowing with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with joy for what you've done for us. We're sorry that we walked away from you and we acknowledge that it's all our fault, that you had everything planned for us to be with you eternally and never be separated. But Father, I just want to thank you so much that when we make poor choices, you've always got a way and a plan for us to come back to you. Thank you for the wonderful power of Jesus Christ in his death, his suffering, and his resurrection to bring men to yourself. I just want to thank you for the, the day that we've had to celebrate this great event in all time and eternity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings us and fills us with hope and with power and with courage and with love and with compassion. And the list is on and on of the spiritual values that you want us to have and endorse and keep. So I just pray that you would increase the faith of each one of us here today. And as the, the days grow more evil, and you have told us they will, our hope can become more real day by day through Jesus Christ. So I pray that you will minister to every heart here today. Those who have brokenness, those who need to be broken, that you will make whole every soul before you. I just want to thank you for the opportunity that each one of us have as believers to go out and to proclaim the glorious message of the gospel and the hope that it brings to mankind. And Lord, we, we live in a time when there 
I suppose it's always been this way, but it seems like to us more so a time when there is no other hope. There is no other thing to hang on to at all in the world that we live in except Jesus Christ and the glorious gospel that he's given. Lord, I want to pray for those who are struggling in life today. There are those who have bereavement of loved ones. There are those who have pain in their bodies. There are those who have pain in their souls. There are those who have emotional uh, heartaches with their families and relationships. And the list is on and on. Those who are trying to sort out their spiritual life. I just pray that the simplicity of Jesus Christ would permeate those lives, that you would touch them with your peace, you'd touch them with your healing power, with your love, your mercy, your grace. You would touch them with hope that they could see the purpose of their creation to exalt and glorify your name. And Father, I just want to, I just want each of us to, to look forward as we meet the times in life that are difficult to the time when all these difficulties will be over. We'll be free from even the very presence of sin and we can rejoice in the name of Jesus Christ at your throne forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.